It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Just better now. That's all you can say. Run, Lindsey. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Welcome to the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley here, as always, with my co-host, Boss Dog, Boss Barker to people. Welcome back, everyone. Today we have another interview guest for y'all. Today we have former UGA wide receiver Michael Bennett. Yeah, it was great talking with Michael. Uh, I just find it so interesting to get different players' perspectives on their paths to Athens and their memories of their time in Athens. And I thought Michael told us a lot of great stuff. Um, there's going to be some funny stuff in here, especially his distaste for Tennessee, which I absolutely love. So we enjoyed talking with Michael. He was great to kind of hear him recount things, whether it be you know his, his start in high school and, and how he got moving in, in football and then kind of his – recruiting path and the different camps that he went to and all those type things. So we're excited for y'all to hear it. And here is our interview with former Georgia wide receiver, Michael Bennett. We are excited today to have Michael Bennett with us. Michael is a 2014 grad of the University of Georgia, was a member of the football team from 2010 to 2014 as a wide receiver. After his playing career at Georgia, he signed as an undrafted free agent with the Bengals. He is currently an industrial real estate broker for Cressa in their Atlanta office and is also an assistant coach for the Marist Varsity football team. Michael, we are pumped to have you. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, first off, we talked about this a little bit off air, but congratulations. Your your daughter was born in at the end of March. So congratulations to you and your wife. That's fantastic news. Yeah, man. It's it's a lot of work, like I was saying, but it's, it's totally worth it. So it's it's really incredible. How's the sleep coming so far? You know, it, it, it's not actually last night's the first time I was able to sleep the entire night. My mother-in-law came up and helped us out. So, but you know, other than that, you're up twice a night feeding and all that, but it, it's, it's the most incredible amount of love ever. And you guys know that you got kids, so um, it's all worth it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, you probably feel like a new man today. Full night's sleep. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. First time in six weeks. Yeah. Well, hey, let's. Uh, we just want to start with you. Just tell us a little bit about growing up in Georgia and going to Alpharetta and kind of your time there and playing ball there. Yeah, so Alpharetta. So, yeah, moved there. Gosh, like back in 2000 and then went to, I went and went to Milton, but I ended up going to Alpharetta High School when it was built back in 2004s, you know, just always, always loved football. My dad wouldn't let me play football until the seventh grade because he thought there was a lot of injuries uh, that, that could happen, that he had some friends go through that started playing ball way too early, he thought. So I started in the seventh grade and he, I guess he kind of figured if I was good enough, seventh grade was going to be fine to start me a little bit later. So I ended up working out. I played quarterback a lot growing up. I was, I uh, just like to play quarterback. I always looked up to Mike Vick and Peyton Manning and guys like that. I, I think I wore number seven in the seventh grade because I wanted to be Mike Vick. Um, so I, I played a lot of quarterback up until about my sophomore year of high school. And I made that change over to receiver because I, I just figured there's one quarterback on the field. There's four receivers usually. If I want to play college ball, um, I probably need to play receiver because I'm not 
I'm not the best quarterback ever. I, I, I was very athletic. I could outrun guys. I could make guys miss, but I wasn't like, you know, I have some laser rocket arm either. So I decided to make the switch of a receiver full time and uh, it worked out. I wasn't a very highly recruited guy. After my junior year, I, I had offer. I started getting offers from places like Southern Miss, Air Force, you know, Syracuse. Just I, I basically had every CUSA and MAC school offer you could think of. Uh, all the directional schools in Michigan, Central Michigan, Western Michigan. I think I said Eastern Michigan, but all, all the other Michigan schools. That's outside of Michigan, Michigan State, basically. Like all offer me. Uh, I just didn't have a lot of. Power Five offers, Wisconsin offered me, Syracuse offered me, but I always wanted to play in the SEC. I grew up in high school when off the Tebow years, and Florida just won a couple of national championships. Uh, Tebow had won the Heisman, and I'm a strong Christian, so I loved Tim Tebow. I, and, and frankly, I didn't even like Georgia. I, I was, I grew up, my parents grew up in Michigan. I grew up a Michigan State fan. I was a Michigan State fan growing up and I just thought Georgia fans were, were, were a little annoying, just barking in your face, talking a bunch of crap. So so I didn't really grow up a, a, a Georgia fan, but watching Florida all throughout high school, I wanted to go to Florida. I was like, man, that, that's where I want to be. I mean, Urban Meyer, the whole thing, winning national championships, you got Percy Harvin, you got Chris Rainey, you got all these guys that are just unbelievable. Now, went there for camps, uh, talked to the coaches, talked to Urban Meyer, and they they just they said that we like you, but we're not going to offer you, or, or, or we're not going to offer you if some of these other guys that we want don't offer, then we'll give you an offer. So you know you didn't really feel very wanted there. It was almost like you know you're a backup guy to us. So so I, you know I ended up I went to a lot of camps. So I, that that's how I got recruited. A, after my junior year, I had those initial flush of offers from smaller D1 schools. Um, to get the bigger offers, I had to go show it in person in camp against other top recruits. That's what all these coaches told me. So the Georgia camp, well, first the Tennessee camp came up when Lane Kiffin was there. Not to pat myself on the back, but I, I did very, very good at that camp. I blew it out of the water. They didn't bat an eye at me. So I've always had a a, a, a chip on my shoulder for Tennessee. I hate those guys for that. I hate Lane Kiffin. Then I went to Georgia after that, and same thing, did really well. Coach Bobo called me before the camp, said, hey, we like your tape. You got to come show it, though. You got to prove it. So I went there and I proved it. And then right after the camp, I'm talking talking to uh, Coach Bobo. And he's like, hey, man, we like you, you know, but we're still kind of on the fence. He leaves for a minute. Coach Ball, the receivers coach, has talked to my dad and I for a minute. Um, tells the same thing. Then Bobo comes back with Coach Rick like 30 seconds later. He's like, hey, we talked about it. We're going to offer you. I was like, wait, you know, I, I was over the moon, man. Um, I became a Georgia fan in like an instant like that. My, my sister was already there, close to home, SEC school, top level playing. Man, I was I was bleeding red and black instantly. So um, it took me two days to, to commit. I didn't want them changing their mind on me. So I went ahead and, and committed to them. And then I, I ended up there. I want to flesh that out a little bit. I had read a story that – um, and it must have been at the Georgia camp. Coach Rick had been interested at the camp. There were some cornerbacks there that he wanted to see. And he was, you know, that, that's kind of where he was focused, focusing his attention. And then he said, and then what happens is Michael Bennett just burns everybody. He goes, so then I started looking at Michael Bennett. <laughs> so um, it's kind of funny. How, is, is, is that is there truth to that story? I don't know where I read that, but I read that somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe they were just 
telling me to, to blow me up for the camp. They're like, hey, we want to we want to look at you at, at, in person at, at camp. And I know what they did is, you know, how they did it was in the morning, everyone's kind of going against everybody. You break for lunch, you come back in the afternoon. Uh, they just they read off names. Da, 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 go down the list of, hey, we and basically it's like, OK, you guys go over here and then the rest of you go over here and just kind of keep doing drills. Like so they, they basically took the guys they wanted to see. And I was in that that group of guys and we just you do in these camps. And I don't know if they still do this is freaking 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I mean, it's just you do one on ones the entire time. At least the skill guys do quarterback versus receiver. And then you might do some scale, but that's it. So it was just like, all right, Mike, go against this guy. One-on-one, boom, run like a run like a go route, boom, burn him, come back, rest for a minute. And then, the, like, it, I think it was Coach Bobo would be like, all right, Benny, you go here and go against this guy right here. And then I'd, <laughs> I'd go and I was just like, you're just in a zone, man. I was just – I was burning these guys. And and obviously just – I showed them enough right there to to get the offer on the spot. I mean, I, it, it it is what it is, man. I, again, I, I was – I thought I had enough film to get offers from bigger schools just off my film, but I think uh, a lot plays into it. I think, honestly, being a white guy plays into it. You got to show that you can go against um, other guys that typically play the position um, that are more prototypical, faster guys than me. I wasn't the fastest, but I had to show it that I was fast enough, that I could create separation enough, and I did that. And it's just the stereotype you kind of had to play down. Um, which is fine. But that's that's been my mantra my whole career. I've had to overcome a lot of things like that. That's a pretty uh, accurate story. All right. So you get to Georgia, you redshirt your freshman year. You have a very productive career 2011 through 2014. You kind of burst on the scene, South Carolina, first game, you have your first catch and first touchdown in the first game. Kind of just walk us through your career, you know, your highlights, you know, what were your thoughts on your career as at Georgia? My thought is just overall, I think I got the most out of it that I could have. Um, I think I maxed out my potential. Um, I give a ton of credit to the coaches for that. They got the most out of me that I think that I had in my tank off the blush. I mean, I got to say injuries come to mind. I had a lot of a lot of injuries that that prohibited me, I think, from a couple of things. One, you know, contributing more to our team, helping us out more, and then two, uh, for the NFL. I think it, 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 it prohibited me of really getting up. You know, I still got a good shot with the Bengals. I, I can't complain. Um, I did, and it just didn't work out. But I think if I had not had some of those knee injuries that I did have, that I would have possibly maybe been a late-round draft pick. Probably not. Probably still would have been an undrafted free agent. But, but would have had more options to pick where I wanted to go where because of my knee injury, I was kind of like the Bengals wanted to work me out and I had to go there and they wanted to sign me. And I was like, absolutely. You know, where now if you're an undrafted free agent, kind of on the, in my late round guy, in my undrafted free agent, you'll get several teams wanted wanting to bring you on as an undrafted free agent. You can kind of pick your best scenario where you want to go. Uh, going back to Georgia though, you know, just a lot of great moments, a, lo- a lot of, really big games that we had, um, a lot of big wins. I think about that South Carolina game in 2011, like you talked about, um, where I, I didn't have a catch until that game, and I ended up having a, a big catch for first down, my first touchdown that game. That, that just gave me a ton of confidence. Going further into that year was the Florida game in 2011. We're down 17-3 to in the second quarter. I have a, a fourth down touchdown catch. 
that gave me more confidence. That that first year, that my redshirt freshman year of 20, 2011 was great. I mean, it was it was incredible. And then and then my second year, uh, my redshirt sophomore year, my first five games, I think I was top five in the SEC in, in every receiving category after the first five games, and then I, I tear my ACL. But but those five games, I mean, incredible experiences. Our team was in, was awesome that year. I mean, we're five yards away from beating Alabama in the SEC championship, going on to play Notre Dame, we would have beat them for a national championship. I mean, that that, that year just is, is unbelievable. I'm surrounded by some of the best athletes I've ever been around. Tavares King, Aaron Murray, uh, Bakari Rambo, Alec Ogletree, Malcolm Mitchell, the list goes on. I mean, guys are still playing in the league today. Uh, that that year was a lot of fun too. So there's a lot of lot of moments I think uh, as a team and individually that I that I'm very very proud of. I, I want to circle back real quick to something you mentioned earlier about your injuries. You have actually been brought up on um, UGA Sports Live podcast before. The landscape of college football has changed a lot with players who aren't playing in the playoff or aren't playing beforehand in a BCS bowl game. Um, where they sit out their bowl game. Uh, you obviously tore your ACL um, in the 2014, I believe it was the Bulk Bowl, your last college game. What do you think about that going for, you know, for college players sitting out their last college game these days to prepare themselves for the NL? And going back to that, Roddy Nabolsi has brought up on his, on their podcast several times, whenever players decide to sit out, he, he always brings up your name saying that if that would have been the thing back back then and you had decided to sit out, that he thinks you would have had a very long NFL career. Well, I, I don't know if that's true, but thanks, Roddy. <laughs> Just thinking about it, uh, I, I've said this before. The guys who sit out are top draft picks, right? They're, they're guys that are probably going the first or second round. If those guys get hurt and tear the ACL, they're still going to get drafted in the first or second. Look at Todd Gurley. He tore his ACL his, his last year in Georgia. He still got drafted 10th overall. If they know you're good and you're that good, you're going to go high. I mean, you might slip a few picks here or there, but you're not going to slide, slide out of the draft or slide several, several rounds or anything like that. You're going to you're gonna go high. So I think the majority of the risk is on guys like me and guys like, you know, j- just that are on the fringe. They don't know if, if they are going to get drafted. And then you do get hurt, and it's just like that throws you way out of the loop. Guys like me are really – and I can't blame a guy for sitting out. I don't blame them. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a walking – example of it but i don't blame them dude you're about to go make a ton of money listen i'm all about the team i'm all about you've got to you know see your way out but if you're about to make life-changing money and some of these guys came from absolutely nothing and there's a there's a risk to getting hurt in your last game and possibly not making as much money for your family that has been in poverty for their generations i don't blame them that's a guy who's upset about that as a guy who's never gone through anything like that or, or, or is, you know, lived comfortably their whole life and doesn't understand where some of these kids come from. So I, I see, I see it both ways. I really do, but I cannot blame a guy for sitting out, especially now, now it goes to, if I did sit out the belt bowl, I mean, teams might be like, dude, you, you're like a fringe guy anyway. What are you sitting out for? Like that, that's ridiculous, you know, but <laughs> so it, it's kind of, there's no right answer, and it's it's all very convoluted. But I mean, obviously, it, it did it did screw me a little bit. But again, I I, I go back to it. I, I had my chance. I got I got a chance. I got a chance. And I think if I hadn't gotten a chance at all, I'd be very bitter about it, probably. But I'm really not, man. It it all happened for a reason. 
you, you talked about the 2012 season. I kind of want to ask you a couple questions about the the two following seasons, just because I think there are some compelling storylines from both those years. You know, 2013, you guys come off of the the narrow miss in the SEC title game, a lot of expectations for 13, and it just seemed like, you know, there was an injury at every turn that year. And that Tennessee game, uh, obviously, that's in your mind as well. Is It just seemed like it was like, well, what's going to be next with this whole deal? And then in 14, we had Hudson Mason on the show, and we talked to him a lot about 2014 and how many near misses there were in that season and how close that season was to really, I mean, could have been magical. I mean, a couple, couple things go differently, and who knows how that season gets remembered. Could you just speak on, on those two seasons, your memories, and kind of your thoughts on those? Yeah, 2013. I mean, we we had it all going. We we had Todd, we had Keith Marshall at running back, ton of guys at receiver. Chris Conley defense was great. We we had a lot of things going, and then we start the year out. We lose to Clemson in a tough game, but then we beat South Carolina. Then we beat LSU um, at home, which I still think is the greatest game I've ever played in. Uh, that game at uh, LSU at Georgia. I think they were number five or number nine game days there, 330 CBS. I mean, it, it ain't getting any better than that. And then we beat them in a shootout with Zach Mettenberger coming back. They have Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and we, we beat them. And uh, so you got all – I think we are like four and one at that point, all the momentum in the world. And then we go to Tennessee, and like you said, we have injury after injury happen. That You're right. That, that year was just a, a lot of what ifs. I mean, it, it was – what if Tar really doesn't get hurt? You know, what if we don't have all those injuries at, at Tennessee? We don't lose to Vandy that year. You know, we, we don't lose to – Missouri was a, you know, a noon kickoff. And, and again, we had, we had a bunch of guys hurt. We had, we had probably three or four top guys hurt. And then, and then you look when, when uh, Todd comes back and I come back for the Florida game, we win that game. And so it's like not saying that we're the reason, but, I mean, you just – you get some of those guys back who are usually in the lineup and they just get momentum, you get some confidence, you get all that stuff going. And we beat Florida that year, then we go and we rattle off a few more wins. And I forget I forget exactly uh, – I think we were 8-5 and five that year. But, yeah, and then Murray got hurt against Kentucky, I think it was. He tore his ACL. But, you know, we, we have a great game where Hudson's first start against Tech that year, we're down 20 to nothing. And that, that might be my second favorite game. We're down 20 to nothing at Tech, and we come back and win a double overtime. That was that was awesome. Always, always good beating Tech. So that that year was a little up and down, man. A lot, a lot down, a lot of down though. Um and then and then 14, it and I Hudson's one of my best friends. I'm not just saying that because he is, but he he gets a lot of crap that I don't think is deserved because people compare him to Murray and all that and, you know, think that he's he was supposed to be Murray and everything. Well, well Hudson's a different player than Murray was. And um, I think we we had an incredible team that year. And we, like you said, we not to throw our coaches under the bus, but freaking we had some coaching mistakes that year that cost us ball games. I mean, South Carolina – we got first and goal on the four going in the score. If we score a touchdown, we probably win the game. Um, and we we run a uh, a play action pass. We had a uh, intentional grounding, and it's second and like you know fifteen, and and then we end up missing a field goal. I mean, it's first and goal on the four, and we got Todd Girl in the backfield. We don't give him the football. I don't get it. I'm not saying every coach is perfect, but but that was a, that was a mistake, and I think Coach Bubba would admit that. Not again, no one's perfect though. And then, and then against Tech, 
we squib kick it, obviously, on uh, and, and when we should have kicked it deep, and then they end up kicking a field goal. Over time, we lose that game. So, I mean, the, the only game we really lost, we really lost that year was against Florida, and we got we got the brakes beat off us. But if we if we beat South Carolina, we go to the SEC championship and play. Uh, I forget, I think it was Auburn. Play Auburn for the SEC championship, and if we win that, you're in the playoff. Or not that playoff. That was, was still BCS. But you know, you're going to a big bowl, or you're, or no, this is 14. That was the playoff. Yeah. So we go to the playoff probably if we beat. Um. Anyways, man. Yeah. So th- those were those were up and down years for sure. Yeah, that 14 season. We one of the things we had talked to Hudson about because we agree. I, I think Hudson's legacy should be different than it was. He had a very good year that year. He protected the football very well. He facilitated everything that that offense was supposed to be, you know, to your point, you got Todd Gurley, you got Nick Chubb, you got Sony Michelle. I mean, you're talking three big time NFL running backs in the backfield. And I think that's what the, how the offense was built. So well, you got to remember they, they put hit, they put Hudson in a box. That's what really coach Bobo and our offense did. They put him in a box that we had these horses in the backfield. We did. He, he would agree with it. I would agree with it, but the passing game was put in a box because we had Chris Conley, Myself and Malcolm that year. I think Malcolm was hurt a little bit that year, but so we we had we Chris Conley was the burner. I was the possession guy. Malcolm was another burner who could do it all. We had the guys, but you know they they I think they just trusted the guys in the backfield a lot, which they should have. I mean, you got the one some of the best backs in the nation back there, but anytime we we drop back to pass, it was like it was like a, our coaches kind of held their breath and they and they didn't they didn't expand it like in 2012 2012 we were we 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 had this thing called Cinco, which was five wide we put five receivers out there no running backs and we were just airing it out everywhere why don't we do that with hudson i don't know we should have we should have we had the talent we could have done it why not split out sony michelle in the slot or, or todd in the slot and get everyone spread out let hudson throw the ball that's what he did at Laster. he 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 threw it like a bazillion times a game and we and they won a bunch of ball games i mean that's that's his that's his game. So I think he got put in a box a little bit, and it was just a it was a bad scenario, not only for him, but for I mean for the receivers too. I mean we individually we didn't have good years with this. You know it's not about us, but it's about the team. But I mean I think if you have more of a balanced attack than what we did, you win more ball games, and and you and you have more offensive production, and you have more explosive plays. Like I, we didn't have a lot of explosive plays in the passing game that year because of those things. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I never really thought about that, but that's a really good point. And to that point, if you're doing those things and creating some opportunities on the edge, it, it's only going to loosen up the running game. You give those three guys bigger holes, I mean, gee whiz. That, <laughs> there's a lot of talent on those teams. Well, so I, we do kind of want to talk to you a little bit because you, you obviously played the whole time you were there for Coach Rick, and you've been away from the program long enough to kind of see it with fresh eyes with coach smart there what are some things as a former player you see that are different or are the same or kind of what are your views on the program as it currently sits um it's in a good position i mean i I love coach smart what he's doing um i think he's an incredible coach an incredible recruiter i think he's what georgia needed i think coach rick awesome coach love him like a second dad i think there's a time uh, a time for change though for everything so i don't think it you know, I think he would agree that it was time for him to go, and and uh, it's really nice that Kirby they're able to get Kirby. So, um, but yeah, Kirby, 
he came in and, and I love what, what, where the program is right now. I mean, they're, they're a couple yard or yards and plays away from winning, winning national championships. We're winning SEC championships, um, recruiting at incredibly high level. So it's just a matter of getting over that, that, that hump that most Georgia teams seem to, to hit year after year. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I love watching those guys. I think, uh, it's just amazing. Some of the athletes they have now um, are, are just getting more and more athletic every every year, it seems. So, um, yeah, I lo- love it. Tell us a little bit about your transition from Georgia into your opportunity with the Bengals. I think I had read a story that, like you said earlier, your family was from Michigan or, or had, you have family in Michigan. So you had grown up driving up to Michigan on like holidays and things and you used to drive past Paul Brown Stadium and then you get the opportunity to play there. Can, can you speak to that opportunity and what that was like for you? Yeah, we would drive right up 75. If you go up 75 north, you'll see uh, you pass right by, by Paul Brown Stadium. So as a kid, just I remember seeing that, and, and my dad always pointed out and just thought it was really cool. I got signed there to play. And, um, again, I, I tore my ACL um, in the Belk Bowl, so it's a six- to nine-month rehab, um, so about month seven. Um, I started to uh, reach out to teams and let them know I was I was healthy. I ended up getting a workout with the Browns, and they, they didn't sign me. Then I, I worked out with the Bengals immediately after, and they signed me. And they signed me for it was middle of it was middle of training camp when they signed me. And I was with the team for two weeks. They said they were going to sign me to the practice squad. Uh, they bring me up that day to sign and then they say oh well we actually thought another guy was going to get signed uh to another active roster but since he didn't we're going to have him on the p squad we don't have enough room for you sorry <laughs> so oh. i already told all my family and and that i am yeah, i'm on the p squad they told me and i go there and they say sorry you're not so i get cut come back home home for about three months two and a half three months Bengals call me back um to work out they say hey we want you to come work out so i get on a plane fly up there and work out i find out that there it was when andy dalton got hurt andy don't hurt his thumb or something like that so they needed to sign a quarterback um so they brought in i think it was name is uh last name sims philip sims he used to play i think he played in alabama is that right uh, it's, i'm trying to think what, what was the years on this that was 2014 2015 season wasn't Blake? Wasn't Blake Sims? Was it? Blake? No, it wasn't Blake Sims. It was. It was. It was Philip Sims, I think, and he he committed to Alabama, but ended up playing somewhere else. But anyways, they brought him up, and I, I find out that basically they brought me in to be his receiver just for this workout. So like, I'm just like the dummy, you know, just to like catch balls for him so they can work him out. Well, apparently I did well enough. They ended up. They said, Yeah, we're we're going to sign you, not him. So I got signed the practice squad that day. Halfway through the season, was with them. Till the end of the season, then I ended up signing a features contract, was which basically just means they give you an opportunity to be on the offseason team and give you an opportunity to, to make the team again the next year. So this is 2016. I go through the entire offseason program, mini camp, training camp, training camp comes, and I get cut at the end of training camp. And, uh, I, and, and that's what I mean. I had an opportunity. I had a whole offseason <clears throat> mini camp all that to training camp to make the team. And uh, it just didn't work out. You know, there, there were some other players that I think they, 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 they drafted two receivers in that draft. Um, and uh, there's another uh, undrafted guy who was really good at special teams and they took him over me. And 
so I got cut. I came back home and I stayed in shape for another couple months and um, was hoping for a call and it didn't come. And I, I'd already been married a couple years at that point and I was making no money and sitting at home and just working out. And I was like, you know what, dude, my knees kind of hurt. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to go play in Canada. I don't want to go play arena ball. I don't want to stick around for the AAF. I, I don't want to do, I don't want to do any of that. Like I've given football everything and you know this is the most i got out of it i was fine with that so i walked away well nfl really walked away from me i didn't walk away from the nfl but i didn't i didn't continue to pursue it anymore so i just decided to go into the corporate world and get out of it yeah so can you talk about that a little bit i my understanding is that georgia uh, or georgia connections helped play a role in that guys that you knew through the football program and through the athletic program um that kind of put you in touch with some people and set you down a good path is is that kind of how things went yeah yeah my buddy brandon burrows who i was a roommate with he played at georgia too he worked in real estate got me connected with another <clears throat> ex-georgia player jeff henson who was in uh, real estate he was a long snapper back in the day and um all right we like long snappers here yeah 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 so he uh yeah he connected me to a bunch of people in real estate i had no idea what i wanted to do my major was sports management and um i to be honest i picked it because sports was in the name i was like i I have no idea what I want to do. I just want a degree and I want to play football. So I picked sports management. So I started networking around and got here at Cressa with, with a guy here who's looking to bring someone on. His name's Jim Bob Taylor, and he actually played quarterback at Georgia Tech back in the 80s. So um, he's a big, big football football fan, football guy. So um, we're part, partnered together, been partnered for three and a half years. Um, but when he was interviewing me, the story goes, he, he asked me, so see sports management, why, why'd you major in that? And I said, well, to be honest, Jim Bob, I pick, picked it because I had sports in the name. And he just started laughing. I, when I said that, I was like, I'm really going to go on a limb here. This is either going to sound really stupid or he's going to love it. And he loved it. And it, it was because of that. And, uh, you know, he just thought we had a good connection that he hired me and it's worked out. Well, so talk a little bit, too, about I know you've been doing uh, work as an assistant coach for Marist on their varsity team. How, how have you enjoyed that and, and, and what have the rewards been with that? And, and also, I don't know exactly which year you started there, but current Georgia player John Fitzpatrick is an alumma there. So um, didn't know if you had coached him. And if so, if you could kind of speak on that a little bit. Yeah, I did. I did coach John uh, my first year in 2017. He was a senior. Um, we. Uh, yeah, he, he, I was a tight end receivers coach, so I, I coached him for an entire year. And great kid, I think he, he's a fantastic player. He's really athletic, obviously super tall. He's put on some weight since he's been at Georgia. I think he's exactly where where he where he needs to be um, at Georgia. And I think this year, hopefully, he'll he'll get more playing time, get, contribute a little bit more because he he's got soft hands he can block he, he can do everything you need to do at, at the tight end position um i know i know we've had some older guys i think there the last couple of years that, that have kind of took, taken some playing time from him but he's got all he's got all the tangibles and i know he's got the intangibles too so looking forward to coaching him but um yeah maris has been great uh, great opportunity i coached kyle hamilton who is a who's a freshman all-american at notre dame safety there he was a receiver safety force at Marist. Um, I think he is one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my life in my two eyes. So he's going to be, mark my words, he'll be a first-round draft pick here in the next couple of years um, from Notre Dame. So 
Um, and then Josh Moore is another kid that 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 I'm um, that I, I've coached, and and uh, he is going into his senior year. He just got offered by Notre Dame. He's got offers from everybody, but not from Georgia yet. So they they need to take a look at him. He's another receiver safety. So. Uh, but but actually, I, I'm not coaching next year because of this. The new baby I had uh, needed to take a year off and figure out parenting. Um, I don't know if I can figure it out in a year. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try. It, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of time, man, to coach. I mean, it, it's at Maris. They take it very seriously. Coach Alan Chadwick, Dan Perez, Paul Etheridge, Jeff Ewart, those guys, they, they take it very seriously. And um, it, it's it's not it's not a uh, it's not just a show up kind of help out. And you're, I mean, you're watching film, you're breaking stuff down, you're you know there every day with the kids. I mean, it's it's a Monday, it's a Sunday through through Friday thing every week for for four four and a half months. So um, I need to take a year off, and and uh, but I'm sure I'll be back in the future. All right, so Michael, we want to close with you. We, do, we close all our interviews with Smart 16 in honor of, of Coach Smart. So just a couple rapid-fire questions to run you through. How you feel? Are you okay with that? All right, so first one is, what's your middle name? Jonathan. Funniest teammate? Brandon Burroughs. What's your favorite game you ever played in as a dog? Uh, LSU 2013. That, that game was incredible. What's your favorite rivalry? Uh, Georgia has or just period? Yeah, let's go. Let's do. Yeah, we can do both. Yeah, both's good. Uh, well, Georgia has like six different rivals. So, um, you know, personally, <laughs> I mean, I just have a personal vendetta against Tennessee, but um, so I hate them. But then also, I just hate Tech. I hate Tech fans because um, they they always throw out the national championship thing. Like they have four, we have two. I go, dude. You guys won like three of those back in like the World War II when the rest of Georgia guys were out fighting in the war. You guys played football along with like four other teams in the nation. You say you're not. I mean, that's just bull crap. I don't, I don't. Care. So, um, yeah, it, tech fans just piss me off. And they think they can still hold a candle to us. And we, we, they, we I think, I think, what is it like? We Georgia hasn't lost at Tech since like '99. I mean, it's just it's just stupid how they think they they're even in our same wheelhouse. And you could say that they're in my head because I'm talking about it right now, which maybe they are, but it's just it doesn't matter because they don't win. So whatever. All right, what's your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Well, I didn't get to play in any of the cool ones. I don't think I didn't get to play in LSU or Alabama's, but. Or Texas A&M, but um, Tennessee is just—it's wild, just how big and loud that gets. Even though again they suck, but they were—they—they still—they they root hard. Look at that. All right, pretty sure we know the answer to this one. But the loudest home game you ever played in—is that the LSU? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that, that was wild. All right, you get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? Florida Georgia Line. As a fan, what are you, what cocktail are you mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Oh, that's easy, Moscow Mule. I'm a big, big Moscow Mule guy. I like it. I like it. All right, if you are back in Athens and you only get one meal, where do you go? What's your favorite place to eat in Athens? Oh my god, my favorite place to eat is probably going to be uh, not Last Resort. They, their their portions aren't big enough for me, so I go uh, Five Bar which is right next to it. I don't know if you guys have been there. No, or um, 
is it kaleidoscope? No, not kaleidoscope. Yeah, that's pretty pessimistic. Atlanta. What's another one right next to it? It's a pub. Come on, help me out here. It doesn't have any TVs. It's got all that local beer. Um, oh, I can, the only pub I can think of because Drew Butler talked to us about it is is the Royal Peasant. That's we'll, the only one I can we'll think go of. Five bar. I'm just gonna come. <laughs> what were your game day superstitions? Well, my superstitions is I didn't have any superstitions. I try to do like everything different, and that's probably freaked myself out even more. So, there, there that is. What's your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? The uh, the dog walk's cool, man. I remember the first time I went through the dog walk. I, I was a, I was a red shirting. My first game, I dressed out. It was it was the opening game, and uh, Hudson and I were roommates, and we we. We're on the first bus and we get out and literally like we're just like trying to get through it. Like we're not playing, you know, and then you like go through it and we're leading the dog walk and people like you going nuts for you. And like you don't even know who I am. I'm like a nobody that's not going to play today. We're going wild, you know, and I'm just like, dude, this is this is pretty cool, man. So once you got to play and people knew your name and you got kids, you know, going crazy, give me a hit, high fives and. You know, and I was that same when I was a kid. I would have loved that, you know, seeing your idols walk through and, and touch them and all that. So that that's really cool, man, that, that Jordan does that. It's so long, you know. It's, it's It goes from that the road, I think, Lumpkin, all the way in the stadium. And it's just – it's really, really cool. When Big game when everyone shows up. Your family's there, you know, and then, you know, my girlfriend's there and you get to hug them or whatever, and they say good – it's just – it's cool. I like it. Black jerseys, yes or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, actually, uh, the Power Ranger Reds for the Boise game. Now, those we were are, there. Yeah, we were yeah. there. Just kidding. Those were freaking terrible. <laughs> yeah, that uh, my bachelor party was in Atlanta, and it was that weekend. And so, yeah, we 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 were there for that for that night. We were a little hazy probably by the time we got there. But it yeah. was. It was <laughs> what is the loss you're still not over? Um. Georgia Tech 2014, my very last game in Sanford Stadium, senior day. Freaking loose of those jack wagons. Just whatever. I don't want to talk about it. Next question. <laughs> What's your order at the varsity? Uh, I mean, I love slaw dogs, so probably like two or three of those and some some fries. Maybe a little orange, what do they call it, orange crush? I don't know, one of those. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs, yes or no? Hell yeah, man. It, see, you know, what also people don't realize when I was there, we, we stayed for home games. We stayed at Lake Lanier, which is an hour and a half drive from Athens in a bus. So we, we stayed at that, you know, the resort there. If you got a noon game, you're up at 630. To get here, get to Athens, get dressed, get over to the stadium. I mean, I'm like, I haven't gotten up at six thirty since you know, like mat drills. This is terrible, and and my everyone's dead tired, and then they wonder why we have a lethargic start. I'm like, well, no crap, coach, because we stayed at the Lake Lanier. We had to get up at the butt crack of dawn. Like, let's stay right here at the freaking Georgia Center and just get up and walk over. Like, how hard is this? And uh, so we they end up doing that eventually, but like we stayed at Lake Lanier to get us out. I'm like to get us out of the the city for what? Like no one's gonna bother us. We probably have like a million security people. Whatever. I mean, sometimes when it makes too much sense, they don't do it. So it, it just makes too much sense, I guess. I don't know. 
All right, last question. The college football playoff should expand to eight teams or find how it is? Uh, man, I want to expand it. I think the more the better. Let's try to make that thing as close to uh, March Madness as we can, you know? All right, Michael, you're off the hot seat. You've gotten through the Smart 16. We appreciate it. And, hey, man, thank you uh, thank you for joining us. We, we enjoyed all the stories. And, hey, brother, get as much sleep as you can. We're rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, man. That concludes our interview with Michael Bennett. Boss, what were your thoughts? Michael is the most frank person we've had on the show. I loved his bluntness um, with almost every answer. He was very hammer to nail, which we don't we haven't had so far. Which it was great. His honesty was great. His story uh, about how why he hates Tennessee was awesome. And the fact that he went out there and he proved it at camps and they just didn't bat an eye at him. And then his, but his story about how at the Georgia camp and how he did prove it and then did get the offer and instantly became a Georgia fan. Cause he didn't grow up a Georgia fan, but how that instantly changed his outlook on the team. Um, I also love the fact that, you know, with someone with his injury history and I mean, let's not, take away from what he did on the field. He was a very productive receiver for Georgia in his career. He was productive when he was on the field, but he could have even been more productive without those injuries, but he didn't, he didn't him and haw about it. He didn't say, Oh, woe was me or anything like that. And he very well could have been one of those people that did, but you know, after talking to him, you get to learn his personality and stuff like that. And it was, you know, he had his fair shot. He did, you know, he did what he could, um, you know, given the circumstances that he had and, Sure enough, he was able, you know, he even said that he had a fair shot in the NFL. I brought up the fact that Roddy Nabolsi has brought up, you know, like I said, multiple times after listening to his podcast over the years that he thinks that if Michael Bennett, you know, did not tear his ACL in the belt bowl, I believe in his last career game that he would have had a long NFL career. Michael didn't really seem to, <laughs> to agree with that, even though, you know, um, someone from the outside looking in does seem to think that. So, I mean, he was very frank. I loved his stories. Uh, loved talking to him. Um, loved his personality as well. Uh, even when, you know, in the Smart 16, when we asked him the loss, he's still not over. And he flat out said, tech, next question. Didn't want to talk about it. You know, could tell it still stings. That passion's still there, you know, six years later. So uh, he was a great guest. Loved talking to him. Yeah, my kind of takeaway, biggest takeaway was if you're building a team, Michael's the type of guy you want on your team. Like it's just going to fight and claw and do everything to help you win football games. I think that was pretty evident when he was a player there. I mean, had a very good career to your point, missed time with injuries, but I, you know, I had kind of, you just forget because the seasons run together in some ways, but you just forget that he wasn't there for the full 12 season and think about having him for that full campaign. You add another weapon and man, I doing these, you kind of also, start to think more and dissect more of the different seasons. And the more we've looked back on 12, boy, that team was good. Maybe we weren't even cognizant as it was happening, how good they were, but boy, that was a good team. So many good players, so many guys that played very well in a Georgia uniform and then have gone on to get shots in the NFL. So uh, that was, that was really interesting. It was also interesting to get his perspective on the 14 season, which we're obviously, we obviously think is a really compelling season and a few different things go a few different ways. And man, that season looks a whole lot different too. So I thought that was great. Uh, I'm with you. I loved his, loved stories about Tennessee. I, I love hearing, like these visceral reactions to certain teams in the conference. So that was great. 
Yeah. And I, I thought, like you said, I, I was, he seemed at peace with kind of his football career and what he got out of it and having his shot in the NFL and which I, I can tell you, I wouldn't be just cause um, he obviously was very talented and as a receiver speed was one of his weapons. So you have to figure having knee troubles would affect that, but he, he seemed at peace with it, which is awesome. Kind of makes you feel good that, that he's in a good space with it. But yeah, I, I love kind of looking back at his career and evaluating what he did while he was there. Cause he was, he was a great player, great receiver. And man, that was just what a they had a bunch of dudes on that team. Like, I mean, that that receiving core was fantastic. And obviously Aaron playing quarterback, and you just kind of forget, you know. It's been eight years now, which is kind of crazy. It makes me feel old. My son was born during that 2012 season, so it's an easy one for me to remember. I remember watching the SEC championship game, like holding him. He was like a little peanut. So it was great talking to Michael. Loved, I would love to talk to him again just because I, like, I think he'd be awesome to talk to about like when the season starts just cause he would tell you what he's thinking, which I freaking love. So, um, yeah, we love talking to Michael and we appreciate Michael coming on and hanging with us and absolutely a damn good dog. And, and he's welcome back on BTD anytime he wants. So go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.